Well, good morning, everyone. Would you guys go ahead and open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, as we study about the Advent journey of joy. The Advent journey of joy. So as opposed to Luke's gospel, where Luke talks from the perspective of the shepherds, today we'll be talking about from the perspective of the Magi. Now, when we think of Magi, usually, you know, we three kings, or we think of the three, what, wise men, that they were very wise. But actually, the Magi is where we get the word magic. More or less, these guys were sorcerers. So instead of looking into the Torah or looking into the Word of God, these guys were practically stargazers that would look at the stars, they would look at the constellations, and they would try to find God there. But here, as they journeyed, it says in Matthew chapter 2 that they journeyed from the east going into Jerusalem. Now, 500 years before that, Israel was under Babylonian captivity, which means then, most likely scholars are thinking that if these magi came all the way from the east, which is Babylon, and they traveled all the way to Jerusalem, that would be about 900 miles for them to follow the stars. And if they were to walk on foot, if they have to have their donkey or the camels, that would be a journey of several months. Not a few hours, not a couple days, but it would be months where they would follow the star. And after they saw the star, then they said they, had, they were filled with great joy. That in this journey that they had of following the star, following the coming of Jesus Christ, that they had great joy in their journey. In June 2001, my oldest brother graduated from college on, in, on the East Coast in Boston. And so I was, I think I was a freshman or sophomore in college. And so um, my family, there were six of us, and... Four of my closest friends, we rented two Chevy Astro vans. Do you guys remember those Chevy Astro vans, right? And uh, we, instead of flying to Boston, we ended up driving and, and doing long distance driving. Now, we had a purpose, and the purpose was to go to a graduation, and we had a destination which was in Boston. But why didn't we just fly and save time? Because we wanted to enjoy the what? The journey. Those are some of the most fond memories I have as a young adult, just going with my best friends and with my family and driving for hours and hours. You know, uh, we had this rental car, and uh, because it wasn't ours, it was a rental car, We'd be eating Flaming Hot Cheetos, the red ones, all right? And we'd just eat it. It's like, ah, oh, oh, man. Anyway, a napkin, it's okay. It's a rental car, so we just put it on the top, you know? And then we'd sneeze, how'd you? Ah, we just see, and, you know, we, we had a DVD uh, player in the a, in a computer, and we watched um, marathons of movies. It was just the best, you know, watching School of Rock with Jack Black and watching uh, just tons of movies, Dumb and Dumber. Can you guys see my IQ level is where it's at? Simple mind, simple pleasure, right? And uh, we were just the best time, and we traveled. 
traveled, went through like the Midwest, went through Colorado, the Rocky Mountains, man, just the, the majestic beauty of our country, and we journeyed through. We went through the Midwest, went through Iowa. I hate to spoil it to you, there, there's nothing to see over there, right? It was just flat and cornfields. But we, we get to our destination, we, we stay in Boston, and then we end up staying another week and a half in Florida. We drove through uh, Texas. You drive a day and a half to get to Texas, and you find out you're just halfway through Texas. On your drive to Texas, I don't know if you've driven this in, in the mainland, but Texas, one of their attractions in their gas station is for real. I'm not, I kid you not, they have tigers in gas stations. And so those are the kind of things that we were able to do, and it was just enjoying the journey. Now, May I submit to you this morning that because of the first advent or the first coming of Jesus, he has given us complete joy for the journey until the full consummation of when he returns, which is his second coming. This is the journey, advent, of joy. And we're going to go through uh, Matthew's gospel. So if we could all stand together, let's read God's word. Matthew chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. Now go ahead and read. You could follow along. And behold, the star that they had seen, they referring to the Magi had seen, when it rose, it went up before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. You notice all the perlatives there? Verse 11, and going into the house, they saw, not the baby, but they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts and gold and frankincense and myrrh. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you that our existence does not have to be marked by mundaneness. Lord, that because of your son Jesus, you have come to give life and life abundant. There is a depth. There is a substance in our 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Lord, that you want and you desire for us to experience and to live our lives with joy. Joy to the world. The Savior is here. The Lord has come. So, Father, I pray that this Christmas season that you would restore unto us the joy of your salvation, the joy, Lord God, and the pleasure of knowing you, that we are saved, that we have life eternal here on earth now because of your son, Jesus. We worship you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So generally, when we talk about joy, we're talking about happiness, right, or well-being. Now, in the Bible, 
uh, the word joy, there's about three words in Hebrew, simcha, sason, and gil, right? And they all express the same thing, which is happiness or joy. In Greek, it's called kara, euphrosune, and agaliasis, meaning that all these words from Genesis to Revelation, it conveys this wellness or this happiness or this joy in people's lives. Naturally, people find joy in beautiful and good things of life. For example, Psalm 67, verse 11 to 12 says that things like growing flocks, if your business is doing well, if business is booming, then it gives you joy. If there's abundant harvest on the hills, it brings us joy. The poet in Psalm 104 says that a good bottle of wine is God's gift to bring joy to people's hearts. Jeremiah 33:11 says that there is joy at a wedding. I've done many weddings. I've been through many weddings. I've never been to a sad wedding in my whole life because weddings are supposed to bring joy. Psalm 23, 24, 25 says that children are a gift and they are to be a joy unto us. So joy then, this experience that you and I have of general happiness, of well-being, it is what we call a common grace for every person that we go through life experiences that bring us joy. But as we all know, the human history isn't just a joy fest. That the, the biblical narrative or the biblical story shows how we live in a world that has been corrupted by our own selfishness. That our lives here, it's intertwined and intermingled and peppered in with joy is pain and sadness and loss and grief. And this is where biblical faith offers a unique perspective on joy. And here's the main point. Would you write this down? This is the big idea to take away with is this, that Christian joy, it is a profound, it is a deep decision you guys catch that? That it is not an emotion, that it is not a feeling, that is not reactionary, but ultimately Christian joy is a profound decision of two things. One, of your faith and hope, and our faith and hope has an object in the power of Jesus' own life and love. In other words, Christian joy is dependent on Jesus, is dependent on God, is dependent on the promises of God. Christian joy is independent of circumstance, of surroundings, of how, of what you have in your bank account, whether you're negative or little or none or a lot, that joy doesn't fluctuate with what's happening around us, that joy is anchored to, the, to Jesus' life and his love, and that is not something that is wishy-washy that goes back and forth. And how do we know this? Number one, would you write down that joy is God's original design for people? That joy is God's original design for people. That from the very beginning, God created us out of love and out of joy. There's this great theologian and great thinker, his name is Jonathan Edwards, who led the, uh, ref not the reference, but the modern awakening, reawakening in 
the northeast of the United States. Well, Jonathan Edwards, he says that there's an overflow. And what this overflow is, is that between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, there's so much love, there's so much joy, there's so much harmony, there's so much unity that it overflowed into humanity. In other words, by the way, this is not the Mauna sign, all right? I'm not making a political statement, but what I am saying, in the Godhead, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, it overflowed and created human beings. Just like a husband and a wife, they love each other, they're committed to each other, till death do us part, right? In sickness and in health, for, for, for poorer or richer, I will love you, I'm committed to you, and from that love, you create children. In the same way, God created you and me because of His design for joy. We see that first in Genesis chapter 1, verse 11. And God saw everything that He had made, and behold, look, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Now, it's good to, it's very important to note here and to observe that the, the English word adverb, very there, does not occur in the Hebrew text. There is not, uh, there's not a manner of, uh, there's not an adverbial manner there. There's not the word uh, miod or memesh. There's not the word really or very. So what God does when he created you and me, God declared Tov, tov, it is very, very good. For five days, everything that God has created, oh, it's good. Trees, plants, fish, land, water, separation, mountains, good, good. It, yeah, it's good, it's good. But when he created you and I, when he formed us, the word there's yatsar, meaning he molded. He just didn't speak us into existence, but he personally got dust. Yatsar formed us. He said, it is very good. And this is where it collides, where there's a battle of our minds. Do we... Believe, whose report do you believe? Do you believe your own feelings? It's like, man, I think God may... I wish I was as smart as that person. I wish I was as resourceful as that girl. Oh, I wish I was as entrepreneurial as that person. And we almost feel like, maybe in the back of our mind, that God made a mistake. That we are worthless. And that somehow we think our culture says that we happen by this... Um, uh, by accident and by chance and by randomness, but the bi biblical narrative is this, that you and I are made very, very good, that out of the joy and love of who God is, He made you and me. Look at Genesis chapter 2, just the next uh, chapter. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight good for food. Do you see the sense of joy that emanates from the goodness of God? Every tree is good for food. Can I get an amen for mango season, right? <laughs> it's good for food. Now, there's a pastor, his name is Mark Batterson, who wrote a book called Double Blessing. 
and he encourages us to be in awe of who God is. And this is what he writes. On September 5th, 1977, the Voyager 1 space probe was launched from Cape Canaveral aboard a Titan Centaur rocket. So it has been speeding through the space at an average speed of 138,000 miles per hour since 1977. Almost 1 million miles per day. Can you imagine that since 1977, almost a million miles a day? Voyager 1 is the first spacecraft to travel beyond the heliopause into interstellar space, and NASA continually calculates its distance from the Earth. As of this writing, which is earlier last year, or this year rather, that is a pretty amazing. In 2025, the Space One Voyager will run out of gas. At that point, it would have traveled 15 billion miles. As of right now, it's 13,490,006,617 miles that the Voyager has traveled. But guess what? That 15 billion miles is less than half of the DNA strand in your body and in my body if it were stretched out end to end. The cumulative DNA in all the cells in your body is about twice the diameter of the solar system. In the words of the psalmist, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. So if you're sitting next to someone you love right now, give them a high five and say, hey, you're amazing. And their genetic fingerprints are as unique as yours. Check this out, you guys. According to one estimate, there are 37 sextillion chemical, reaction in, chemical reactions happening in the human body at any given time. How many of you had breakfast this morning? Right now, your body's digesting food. You're regenerating your cells. You're purifying toxins. You're catalyzing enzymes. You're producing hormones. You're converting stored energy from fat to blood sugar. And this is not a testament to you. It is a testament to God who created you because of love and of the joy that he has. And he creates you and I to experience and to live our lives with joy. It was his plan that you are very very good because you're made in the image of God. Now, the health of the human being isn't something to be taken for granted. That's why 1 John says, I pray that all is well in your health as in your soul may prosper. You know, right now, there are at least 37 sextillion blessings that you and I can count that our body is doing. There's five quarts of blood that travel through 100,000 miles of arteries and veins and capillaries or the 550 liters of pure oxygen we inhale every 23,000 breaths every single day, 23,000 breaths. And God has given us breath because he is a God of love and he wants us to experience joy. 
G.K. Chesterton says this, that his ultimate goal in life was to take nothing for granted, not a sunrise, not a flower, not a laugh. And I love that life goal. You know, when my kids, when we have Sabbath on Mondays, family day, we have a day of rest, eight times out of 10, we usually go to the North Shore. We either go Mokolaia side, or we go to Yokohama side, or sometimes we go like Hala'iwa and just kind of stay there. And we go through a journey, I was like, hey guys, turn those stinking phones off. Give me your phones, give me the iPads, no screen time. Look outside, look at the mountains, look at the clouds, look at that sunshine. Be present in what God is doing. You guys get to live here. People save thousands and thousands of dollars to bring their family here for a week, two weeks, and you guys live here every day. This is a blessing. Be in awe. Enjoy the journey that you're living right now. Do it so with joy. There is breath in your lungs. Your body is working right now. You're alive. You just sat through church. You just worshiped the living God. Your time here on earth right now, it matters. For all of eternity, you sitting here, hearing the word of God, giving honor to God, it matters for all of eternity. And there's substance and joy in my existence and in your existence. This is God's design from the very beginning. Number two, would you write down that joy is the attitude that God's people adopt? And here's a key word. It's attitude. Not again, it's not a reaction. It's not a feeling, but it's a deliberate choice of our volition or will that joy is the attitude that God's people adopt, not because of happy circumstances, but because of their hope in God's love and promises. The people of God, in the Old Testament, there were Israel. When they went through slavery, God sent a deliverer, which is a type, in theology we call this typology, that Moses was a type of Christ, that he is to be like a figure foreshadowing who Jesus Christ would be. Now Moses, when he set the people free, in Exodus chapter 15 verse 1 says, that the people of God, they burst out into joy, that they sang for joy, even though, listen, they were in the middle of the desert. Little did they know that it was going to take them 40 years of wandering and meandering all throughout the desert, but knowing that there is a future promise, that there is a future deliverance, when they heard that Moses was going to set them free, then they said they sang out and started singing out of joy. They were vulnerable. The promised land was still far away, but they rejoiced anyway. That's why in Psalm 105, verse 43, it says this. God caused his people to leave with joy and his chosen ones with shouts of joy. Later, biblical poets would look back on the story and remember how God gave his people joy. Even in the midst of slavery, even in the midst of wandering in the exodus, even when they were conquered people, whether it's the Babylonian 
uh, kingdom or the Persian Empire, whatever they were, they had this future hope of what God was going to do. And based on that future hope of God's love and God's deliverance, they had joy. Joy is not dependent on my circumstance or your circumstance. Joy ultimately boils down to a decision to trust God, to rest on his promises. Isaiah 51, 11, those the Lord has rescued, they will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them and sorrow and sighing will flee away. And this is the plight of God's people. You know what Jesus says? In this world, you will have troubles, but take heart, be encouraged. I have overcome the world. And we'll close with this. Number three is that the birth of Jesus brings great joy to all people. The birth of Jesus brings great joy to all people. Now, the Bible is replete. Your uh, Bible, your English Bible, there's, there's over 200 references from Genesis to Revelation of joy. But this term great joy only occurs a handful of times. Great joy is rare. It is climactic. Joy is something that you and I experience, that something that we experience. Like the joy of eating good fresh poke, right? From off the hook, marketplace. Word up, JP Lamb, all right? Like the joy of watching your children. I, I looked around to kind of take a peek, and I saw your joy as parents, like trying to coach your kids to smile and all that. The, the, just the joy. That's a common grace that you and I have. The joy when the Lakers will avenge their loss to the Clippers on Christmas Day. <laughs> Woo! Right? That there's, there's a common, like, oh, small kind joy. But in the Bible, there's only less than single digits of great joy, and each one revolves around the person and the work of Jesus Christ. For example, 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 40, at the anointing of King David's own son as his successor, at the height of Israel's kingdom, there was great joy. In 2 Chronicles chapter 30, verse 26, at the restoration of the Passover, after not having gener uh, Passover for years and years and years and decades, there was great joy when the Passover was restored. At the dedication of Nehemiah's wall, after the return from exile, there was great joy. You see here in Matthew chapter 2, our text, when the Magi saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Other than Matthew and Luke's gospel, let's learn, turn to Luke chapter 2 verse 10. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Four more times it happens in the New Testament, great joy. 
One, so it was the resurrection of Jesus, there was great joy. Second, in the ascension of Jesus, the people had great joy. Third, in the book of Acts, when the pe people gathered and they were suffering for Christ, they had great rejoicing. In Jude chapter 1, verse 24, it says that you may have great joy through Jesus Christ. Now, that's a good summary of biblical joy. Moving forward, Luke chapter 2, it says that the, there was great fear. That the shepherds had great fear. Meaning that you and I, when we live our lives here on earth, we're going to go through great fear. There's great anxiety. There's great loss. But the joy that we have in Jesus overcomes that. That from his birth to, in Bethlehem to his death on the cross, the joy was great enough to be born in obscurity. That Jesus be laid in a manger, even though he didn't have a place to lay his head, he would be rejected by his own people, betrayed by his close friend, delivered over by the authorities, but this great joy cannot be contained because through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, Isaiah 53 says, by his one life, many will be saved, many will be made righteous through Jesus Christ, and there is an eternal joy that comes upon you the God of the universe, who's so powerful, he spoke things into existence. Think about that. God is so powerful, the world was completely dark, empty, formless, without void. He said, let there be light. Boom, there was light. How many of you ever tried to tell a cat what to do, <laughs> right? It's not going to work. Like, hey, listen, no, sit, obey. He's not going to do it. God spoke things into existence. And if you come to him by faith, with the object of Jesus Christ, he will come into your life that you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit and you would experience joy. Let me ask you, where is joy found? Where is joy found? I'll tell you first thing, joy is not found in unbelief. French philosopher Voltaire was an atheist of the most pronounced type. He later wrote, I wish I had never been born. Joy is not in unbelief. What else? Joy is not found in pleasure. Lord Byron, who was a hedonist, hedon meaning um, every desire, he lived it out. He lived a life of pleasure more than anyone, and he wrote, the worm, the canker, and grief, they are mine alone. Joy is not found in money. Jay Gould, the American millionaire, when dying, he said, I suppose I am the most miserable man on earth. You know, researchers have found there's almost no correlation between income levels and levels of happiness. Between 1957 and 1990, income levels in the U.S. doubled, yet at the same period, people's levels of happiness did not increase. In fact, 
reports of depression actually increased tenfold. Incidents of divorce, suicide, alcoholism, drug abuse rose dramatically as people had more money. Joy is not found in money and in stuff. Joy is not found in position or fame. Lord Beaconsfield enjoyed more than his share of both, and he wrote, youth is a mistake, manhood a struggle, old age a regret. Think of all the people, Hollywood actors or artists that have committed suicide, rich, famous. You think they have it all, good looks. How many of them have taken their own lives because they did not have sincere joy because joy is not found in position or fame. Joy is not found in military power or the acquisition of things. Alexander the Great, when he conquered the, the known world in his day, it's been said that he runs to his tent, he weeps at his tent and he said, man, there are no more worlds for me to conquer. Joy is only found in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. God, the creator who knew you from the womb, who created your 30 billion miles of DNA, uniquely you, he knows only he can satisfy. The creator knows what's best for his creation. I have a friend who's a mechanic and we're fixing his car one day. He's like, hey, John, make sure you put premium Mo Mobile One synthetic oil, 10W30. If you put any other stuff, he's a master tech with Nissan. He goes, it's not gonna run well. It might, be, it might run, but it's gonna struggle across. In the same way, you could live your life here on earth without God, without having a relationship with Jesus, but you're going to do so without lasting and permanent joy. You're going to clock in, you're going to clock out. You're going to do your thing. You're going to get your job, get your spouse, you're going to have your family, you're going to get your house, you're going to get your mortgage, you're, you're going to play golf on the weekends, and repeat back, the, back again on Monday. But when you and I have Jesus Christ, it adds depth and substance that there is a joy in the journey here now. And when Jesus Christ returns, there's the full consummation of joy that it was all worth it that your faith becomes sight because right now we don't see, we can't embrace, we can't dialogue and talk and he's, he speaks to us audibly and there's, we have to walk on faith but when we walk on faith, God downloads joy into my life and into your life. Would you experience joy in Jesus? You, you, will always be restless. You will always look for the next thing, next ambition, next accomplishment, and you will never experience lasting joy unless you find it in Jesus Christ. Who's that uh, billionaire? 
said, hey, you're the richest man on the planet. When is enough money enough? He said, just a little bit more. You will always be seeking. You will always be wanting. You will always be lacking if you don't go to the good shepherd over your soul. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for uh, this morning. And Lord, we invite you into our lives. Lord, we ask for forgiveness. Would you cleanse us, O oh God, for going to empty wells that do not satisfy? Lord, we, we are parched, we are thirsty, we are dry, yet we go to these cisterns that have temporary satisfaction but no long-lasting effect. Lord, some of us were looking to relationships for joy. Others were looking at accomplishment for joy. Some of us were looking at things and possessions and a home and a career and financial stability to give us joy. But Lord, all these good things, these common grace, they all point to a creator, to the source of joy. So Father, I pray, Lord, that we would go to the living water just as you had a charge against Jeremiah, this one thing I have against you, Israel, that you go to these empty wells and broken cisterns that temporarily fill you but give you no lasting joy. So, Father, I pray and I speak joy. Lord, there's some of us here this morning that are going through depression. Lord, I pray that the joy of the Lord would be their strength. By the power and the authority of Jesus Christ, I speak, I pray, blessing. Lord, there's some here who are struggling with anxiety. Father, would you be their portion? Would you be their strength? Would you give joy, joy eternal, joy everlasting in you, O oh Lord? And so, Father, we are so grateful, Lord. that our lives matter to you, that you intend and you purpose joy for us. I pray, Lord, that this Christmas that we would draw near unto you. And as we do that, Lord, you would draw near unto us. Thank you, Lord, for giving us a heart to hunger and thirst after you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord.